You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Radio talking about this stuff ten times in the last three weeks. And I have been totally composed. But I want you to know I am a total mess tonight. <laughs> a total mess. Um, I, was, I was on the radio in Scranton, Pennsylvania this morning, the home of Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> and I did make sure to let them know that I was so honored to be talking to the, papal, pe- the people person's paper people. Um, <laughs> so uh, this, is, this has been an incredible journey um, uh, with, this, with this book and uh, with this just whole journey with my family and, um, and with my church family and my friends and, and most of all with our, with our Lord. And um, this is just a really joyful and special night for us. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful. And so tonight I want to tell you the story of, um, I want to tell you the story of this book. Um, we're going to have a reading from the book and then we're going to close with a couple of songs um, from my really precious friends um, over to my right. But um, the, the therefore, I hope, journey um, begins with one phrase and it ends with another. Uh, the phrase it begins with is hopeful sorrow. Uh, and it moves to bountiful gratitude. That's why I'm such a wreck tonight. I'm so grateful for so many things. Um, something, uh, something worth noting is that uh, the root word for gratitude is gratia. Um, which is, is the Latin word for grace. And it's, it's really God's grace that has moved, moved me um, and it's moved Lauren from a place of hopeful sorrow to a place of bountiful gratitude uh, where I am today. And uh, that grace has come largely uh, in the form of people. Um, God's grace has come to us through many people. Um, when Cameron died, uh, we were just in overwhelming sorrow, just crushing sorrow that I never knew existed. And... Um, but I will say that there was always a sense uh, that God could redeem us and that God uh, could heal our situation and bring us to a better place. And um, some some of the things that I'm grateful for and some of the people that I'm grateful for first and most of, more, and most of all, I'm, I'm most grateful for Cam's salvation. A lot of you know that the day before he died, he um, talked about wanting to see Jesus and wanting to ask all kinds of questions about heaven. And the last thing, meaningful thing I really ever heard from my child was, uh, was Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died for my sins. And so I'm so grateful uh, for so many people who invested in him spiritually. Um, for the, the faithful women at Briarwood Mother's Day Out. And um, can't say that, Betsy, without crying. And for the people who work in our nursery at this church, um, one person in particular is, uh, is Danita Johnson who um, Denise has been waiting for a kidney transplant for years. And I, I told her I wanted her to be here tonight. And praise God, about a week ago, Danita got her kidney transplant. So I, uh, in particular, wanted to, to recognize and remember her. Um, she's on the road to recovery. Secondly, grateful for great doctors. Whew. Dr. Larusa. Stacy Gilbert, I will never forget what you've done for my family. Whew! 
It's sorority rush time. Let's all smile, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, next, I'm grateful for a great church. I'm so grateful for the Advent in so many ways. <laughs> sure, man. Um, uh, this church is, I have no idea where I'd be today without my church. I have no idea where I'd be without the kids in my youth group. I have no idea where we'd be without our small group. I have no idea where I'd be without my fellow staff members, particularly the youth staff. Um, I have no idea where I'd be without the rooted team. And I have no idea where I'd be without uh, the people who prayed for me, but particularly prayed for this book project. Um, I'm grateful for my family, for our parents, for being so supportive, so good to us. And on a happier note, uh, I want you to know this was a team project. This was not a, this was not a, uh, this was not a solo adventure. Um, if uh, Emily Price, Mary Berkeley Pritchard, Colin Hansen, uh, and Coach Kathy Lawrence, you wouldn't mind standing up. Uh, and I wish she were here to stand up, but Charlotte Botsford gets. Um, Colin. <laughs> Colin was the first person to say, you need to pursue this. And um, uh, Mary Berkeley... You're a really good co- uh, copywriter, a good copy editor. And um, Emily, you're a phenomenal copy copy editor. Charlotte read the first draft, um, and, uh, and there's no way the plane gets off the runway without her. And Kathy Lawrence and I, we went through, Kathy was my seventh grade English teacher. We went through together every single sentence of the entire book together at Emmett O'Neill Library. It was one of the sweetest seasons of my life. Um, and so these are all people I'm so grateful for. If anyone I've forgotten, forgive me. <laughs> um, but the story of the book, um, the book really begins, uh, before Cameron dies, uh, with this fear that I had. I was really, uh, as a youth pastor who had a very, very charmed life, I was, uh, I was very fearful that, of course, I believe, uh, in the goodness of God. Of course, I believe in the gospel. I'm a white American male for whom has, who has really nice Christian parents. He's had a nice, easy life, um, and everything has come easy for me. I've got a really cute wife and cute kids. But what if, what if something really bad happened? Um, and you know, could would I be ruined? Would I lose my faith? And I had determined before Cameron died that if he passed away, that it would ruin me. That I could not handle that, and that I'd walk away from the Lord. And all thanks be to Christ. When Lauren called me and let me know what had happened, um, the first thing that came out of my mouth was Jesus rose from the dead. That means that God is good. Uh, and that, this does not change that fact. And I found that, in fact, the Lord had prepared me. And I found that, indeed, the arm of God is long enough to heal and redeem anything, even your worst nightmare, even the loss of your child. And uh, in the month after that, I told, I kept on saying to Lauren over and over again, I have no idea how someone could survive something like this if they didn't know or if they didn't believe in dot, 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 dot. And it would be things like, the gospel or the bodily resurrection of Jesus or the hope of heaven or the possibility of joy and sorrow or the sovereignty of God and so on and so forth. And after a night, I wrote down, uh, after a month of that, I wrote down on a sheet of paper these 12 things that I found were utterly essential to holding me together. Uh, and then I wrote a personal confession uh, for myself so that I could read um, to remind me of the goodness of God, remind me of the hope of Christ. And um, I would read it almost every day. Um, 
And so from there, in a very, very misguided <laughs> decision, uh, I elected to do a series of Sunday school classes here at the Advent about three months after Cam died. Um, and I was probably, I was crazy for <laughs> doing that. Um, but, uh, anyhow, so that occurred and, um, and it was kind of the basis in the beginning of this book. Um, I started thinking about that and praying about whether or not to pursue something like that. After a month of praying, I was driving by the Whole Foods on 280. I can remember it very uh, distinctly. And I felt the Lord convict me that I needed to pursue it. Three day, within the next three days, I had two people independently call me and say, I, I, this, this may be a crazy thing to say, but I really think you should think about writing a book on this. So it was good confirmation from the Lord. And so uh, four months um, after Cameron died, I started writing the book. And I had some women at the Advent uh, house praying for me. And um, and I wrote 40,000 words in 10 weeks by the grace of God. Uh, and, and that was the beginning of six different revisions. Um, the people at Crossway were incredibly gracious to me because I had turned in my first uh, revision and my agent at Crossway said, I like this concept. There's no chance that it's going to get accepted. Uh, I want it to get accepted. And so before I even had a contract, they paid for me to have a consultant who would tell me exactly what I needed to do to have a viable project. And um, and uh, it was hard to hear, but when I looked at the people this guy had worked with, I said, I'm going to do whatever this guy tells me to do. So I did. And, um, and so uh, after six revisions, thanks be to God, um, here the book is four and a half years later. And, uh, you know, I've really, I've really written it out of gratitude. I'm just so grateful for what the Lord has done for me. I'm so grateful for how the Lord has restored and redeemed me. And I do not want to give the false impression that I am a, a whole person. Uh, this is, uh, this is a, you know, a limp you walk on for the rest of your life. Um, but I'm definitely not ruined. And so now um, we're going to have Tommy Mayfield is going to read uh, a selection from the book. And then I'm going to have just two more things to say before we sing a couple of songs. So thanks, Tommy. I wonder if I should give this to you. I'm going to give this Sorry. to you. It's okay. Do you want me to get that on? Yeah, it's your mind. Okay. No problem. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um. Cameron asked me to read a passage, which I'm going to do, but I, I couldn't uh, not take the opportunity to say this. Um, <clears throat> last summer for me was, I had a really difficult time, and if any of you have read the book, you know, uh, Cameron uses the phrase, the worst. I don't know if it was the worst, but it was pretty bad. Um, and Cameron was really a great friend to me through that period, and I think that um, a lot of that was just a testament to, um, you know, he was able to be such a good friend, I think, because of what he has gone through. And I feel like this book... Um, is really, you know, the same gift he was able to give me, he's now going to be able to give to all of us and to so many other people. So, um, anyway, with that being said, here's a passage from Cameron's book. There are fraternities of all kinds of suffering in which only the members can identify with one another. For people who've lost a spouse or who lost a parent in their childhood, the laments are different. For victims of abuse and rape, they share an anguish of which no person could possibly conceive, except other victims. For those who struggle with depression or bipolarism, a dark cloud hovers over them that only those with the same struggle can get. Common suffering yields a camaraderie, comfort, intimacy, and respect among its fraternity members. Support groups naturally evolve out of common plight. Women who struggle with infertility, families with alcoholic relatives, people who suffer from addiction, and widows or widowers gather weekly in communities across the world 
to relate their stories and to bond over their common wounds. Lauren and I have found this to be true with other parents who've lost children. The deceptive hope that when you enter your child's room in the morning he will be in his bed, the dread of holidays, the lamentation of putting his old clothes away, the cloudy fog into which you descend when you call his memory to mind, avoiding certain places such as the children's hospital because you just can't handle it, the wondering about what he may have been like at age 4 or 14 or 24 or 44, the random awkward tears in public, the questioning of whether this is a bad dream or if this is real months and even years later. You feel as if only if you can if you only can trust people at the most intimate level, you only can share the deepest lamentations of your heart with people in the fraternity. You need the fraternity. Waking up the morning the first morning after Cam's death was one of the worst moments of my life. It was as if I'd been told the news for the first time all over again. It was as if an invisible messenger stood by the bed with a cold, expressionless face, saying, Yes, it happened. It's true. Your living hell is real. With the confirmation of our tragic reality, I decided that Lauren and I needed to announce our sorrowful news publicly through Facebook. Interestingly, at the core of my November 12, 2013 Facebook announcement stood the empathy of God. We are profoundly and devastatingly sad and will grieve the loss of our sweet boy for the rest of our lives. But we can live with hope, peace, and gratitude, knowing that the promises of the gospel are true, and knowing that Christ indeed is risen from the dead. Our God lost his son, and so have we. God's son was raised from the dead, and so was ours. All thanks be to Christ. Our precious boy knew Jesus and is with him now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God remains good. Foundational to my hope stood the realization that my God lost his son too. <clears throat> he was in our fraternity. A bereaved father once bitterly and reasonably asked a clergyman who had come to visit him after his son's passing, Where was your God when my son died? The priest replied, I would imagine the same place he was when his son died. For any person who's lost a child, God is a friend who can share in the common experience. He is one with whom bereaved parents can have insider conversations that only people who have lost children get. In the same way that parents who have a child with a terminal illness live in dread of the day their son or daughter will inevitably pass away, God the Father lived with that same dreadful anticipation, knowing that he had sent his son to die on the cross. In the same way that many parents have witnessed their child pass away, God saw every second of his son's death on the cross. He saw people put nails in his son's hands. He saw a spear stabbed in Jesus' side. In the same way that some parents must go to identify their child's body, God identified Jesus' beaten, lifeless body. He saw his son's corpse. In the same way that bereaved parents must plan and attend their child's funeral, God stood by as people put the stone on his boy's tomb. He heard the thud of the closing coffin door. In the same way that bereaved parents experienced the anguish of separation from their child, God knew this separation to the deepest degree. While my child went to heaven upon his death, God the Father experienced separation from his child when Jesus took on the sins of the world. The empty chair at the dinner table, their absence at holidays, the vacated room, the unplanned weeping. God knows all of it. God is in the fraternity. During the Lenten season, <clears throat> many Christians hear the song, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And the song also asks, Were you there when they nailed him to the cross? God was there for every second of it. God was there when his son died at the hands of the very people he had come to save. God knows our pain better than anyone.
So thanks, Tommy. Really appreciate it. All right. So um, two final things I'd like to say. Um, first is um, I'm just so grateful for how faithful God has been to me. Um, I would like to to play um, uh, play a recording from a class that I taught in this room behind this podium on February the 23rd, 2014. It was a class on uh, joy, a joy in your worst nightmare. And um, it's, it's cool. It's really cool um, to see. I, I kind of made this proclamation. Um, even though I was in so much pain, even though I was so sad, I made this proclamation um, that I really did believe that God could heal and restore me. This is a statement that I make because the Lord is good and the Lord is faithful and he, is, he, through different things, has shown me that he is good to redeem all things. He is capable to redeem all things. And that is, I want to finish this by saying, if you know me in 30 years, I'm confident that when I talk about my child, when I talk about these days, that I will radiate with the joy that will blow you away. I'm confident the Lord will do that. You can pray that the Lord will do that. I'm going to continue to pray the Lord will do that. And if you're at the absolute bottom, if you're in the gutter, the Lord can do it for you too. He is capable to redeem all things. He redeemed the death of a sweet, perfect Nazarene and restored the whole world through the death of man. He can redeem your life. He can redeem all of your sorrow and do it. Let me pray. That's good. Thanks. Yeah. And so it's not 30 years later. It's like almost five years later. And I just want to say that like, God has really, I'm not ruined. I'm definitely not ruined. I know there are people tonight who are here and you're hanging on by a thread. I want you to know that God's a healer. And I promise you that God's a healer. It's true. Second thing I want to say, it's going to be hard, is that a verse that we have held on to um, is Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it on the day of Christ Jesus. God begins a good work in a person's life and it continues all the way to the second coming of Christ. And if there's something that is so special to me about this book, it is that through my son's life, many people will see the beauty of Jesus and many people will know the hope of the gospel and everything is worth it if those two things go forward. To have a son whose life reveals the beauty of Jesus and the hope of the gospel. What more could a parent ask for? Let me pray for us. God, we are so grateful that you're for the gospel and for what you've done in the life and the person of Jesus Christ. And um, I thank you so much that you are so faithful to your promise to heal and redeem. I ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.